Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our Brilliance Bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey, welcome to another Encore episode of the Brilliantly Resilient Show. We are thrilled to bring back at you our friend Kate Erickson. Wait till you hear what Kate talks about in terms of taking imperfect action. Imperfect action. How about that? She gives us that brilliance bit and so much more. Enjoy our friend Kate. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. We are so excited. First of all, I'm Mary Fran Bontempo with my partner in crime here, Kristen Smedley, and We are so excited today because anybody who knows us knows that we love John Lee Dumas, but today we are bringing you the engine in the form of Miss Kate Erickson, who drives EO Fire um, from behind the scenes, and we're so excited to talk to her today. So Kate, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. Mary Fran, Kristen, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me and for the awesome intro. I always, I always imagine in my head this huge stadium of people like, yeah. You're <laughs> <laughs> the engine. So the engine doesn't always get that. So we are happy <laughs> to provide that opportunity for people to go, yeah. We were talking earlier before we jumped on and it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy, he's a great guy and blah, 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 an entrepreneur and fire and all that, but nothing works without the engine. Let's be, let's be. (laughs) You got to, you got to work with the engine. So we want to get into your story. And when I was checking you out before we jumped on, I just love you so much more now (laughs) that I read all of these things in your background. First of all, she has an English degree. Yes, an English degree. I apologize right now. She's going to gush about that. And my English is very Philly. (laughs) (laughs) You have an English degree and you, I would think, maybe I'm interpreting here, but I would think that you kind of looking at your background, consider yourself a bit of a writer at heart, which is where I come from. 100%. Yeah. That was always kind of like my, my distant dream to be a writer one day. And it was also, I know we'll get into this, but my like dream job was to be a college English professor. So I was all up in the literature and writing and all of that stuff. I loved it. Now, do you have, did I see, do you have a master's in literature or there's something about literature? I do. Yeah. Like she's kind of, I'm ready to cry. I'm just like, (laughs) it's just so funny because Mary Fred is such a writer too. And I am like, when I published my first book, I still say that my English teachers need oxygen. Like (laughs) <laughs> Kristen sat down and shut up long enough to write something. I was always like, can we just talk about it? Can I just make a little speech? Do I have to write? And Mary Fran's always like, writing, 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 writing. Isn't it fascinating though? Like that you can jive so much with people and have so much in common, but like those, 
zones of genius or brilliance or whatever you want to call it are just like, you know, that's what's so beautiful about collaborating and working with people who are kind of like opposite of you or who shine in different areas. And, you know, that certainly is true for myself and John, because we have pretty opposite, um, you know, zones, if you will. Yeah, that's what and makes that's, it work. That's what exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what's worked so well with Kristen and I because I will I will be like this, writing like a fiend. And when I'm done, I'm like, okay, make it pretty, send it out to the world, and then <laughs> make her take over because that's not my thing. So you guys have sort of, and we're and we're getting we're jumping around a little bit here, but you guys have created, I think, a similar partnership where you each work your brilliance. So Let's maybe go back a little bit. When, when we're on the show, we talk a lot about this reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance thing. And we started from the area of having sucker punches. Kristen's raising two boys who are blind. My son struggled with heroin addiction and, and substance abuse for a very long time. Not mm-hmm. everybody has those big, giant sucker punches. Sometimes it's just a feeling like I'm not exactly where I'm supposed to be and you need to reset. So did you have anything like that in your life that kind of led you to this path? Yeah, I feel like I've had multiple things like that, but it wasn't until I I attended this transformational training like weekend and I was sitting in that room listening to these stories from people who had like these really traumatic experiences and were living these daily lives of like anguish. And I was just sitting there like... I have nothing like these people are, you know, struggling on a day-to-day basis. And I'm just like sobbing for their stories and just feeling like so much emotion for them. I'm sitting there thinking like, I don't have that, but it was in that, that transformational training that I realized that it doesn't always show up in that way. Right. Um, and, and for me, like one of the biggest first shifts for me was around, um, I guess, confidence and recognition that I'm the only person who gets to choose what happens in my life and in my future. So I was uh, working a corporate job in banking. I had been there for over three years, same exact position. I was working the front desk, answering phones, Girl, you are um, not a banker. I'm just going to put that right out there. You, that is not your wheelhouse. I, I, I yet I sat there for so many years. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you name a job in the banking world. I've had it. I worked in HR. I did acquisitions. I did layoffs. I did uh, the teller position. I did our um, IRAs. I did new accounts, checking savings. I also was a commercial loan processor at one point in time. I mean, I've been around oh the God. banking business. <laughs> oh my God. And That's so crazy. this this was like my my last iteration in banking was in a um, HR department. They called it employee relations, which was a very twisted name for it because Every time somebody saw like our phone number come up on their ringer, it was like, oh my gosh, something's wrong. Don't want to talk to these people. They always have all the bad news. (laughs) And that was my job for three years. And, uh, you know, supporting this department of incredible women. I mean, the department that I worked in was awesome. The people that I worked with were great, but I felt like I was just a hamster and a wheel. I'm like, I do this every day. I'm great at my job. I do what people tell me to do. I'm there early. I'm there later than everybody else. But like, 
I've been doing this for over three years now and I'm like kicking into my late twenties. And at that point, I thought the path was that you're supposed to actually climb the ladder. Like (laughs) what's going on? I've been here for kind of a long time and I feel, you know, bad about the fact that I haven't gotten a promotion or a raise or a job title change. Um, I feel kind of pretty crummy about myself that I've been literally at the bottom of this department for this entire time. So finally, I feel like I've gotten my big break. I get this call from one of the managers within our department, but up in the San Francisco office. I was in San Diego at the time. Love San Francisco, went to college in the Bay Area, and the hiring manager calls me. She's like, if you're willing to relocate, I think we have like the next level up position in, in our department in our San Francisco office. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's happening. (laughs) Like it's paying off all my hard work. I'm being recognized. I'm going to get a job title promotion and I'm going to get a raise and like all these things that success meant to me. I was like, yay, this is amazing. I'm feeling so good about myself. Start telling my friends and my family about it. I do a telephone interview as a, you know, like that's just what they had to do to like mm-hmm. go through the process, you know, corporate. And uh, I thought it went great. And the next day I'm waiting for my call from the department to tell me that they're offering me this job and here's your relocation package. I felt so grown up that I was moving <laughs> for a job. <laughs> and the hiring manager calls. I see the like little thing on the phone come up. So I'm like, <sighs> Like, this is so exciting. My life's about to change. And um, I pick up the phone. She's like, this was incredible. You are the, you are such an amazing candidate for this position. You've given so much to this department. I've been through lots of like mergers, acquisitions, layoffs with them. And she told me, unfortunately, decided to hire outside the company for (gasps) this position. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, you could not have had a bigger cosmic smack in the head, could you? <laughs> it, yeah. it really was. You know, I was like super devastated at the time, very disappointed, super down on myself. Just like, I can't like, what? I can't believe this is, isn't true. This can't be happening. This isn't possible. Very, a lot of victim stuff. Ton and unfair. Of victim stuff. It's unfair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, yeah. But man, that's the best thing that ever happened to me in my career up until that point. Um, Because I was like, oh my gosh, this can't be it. Like there's got to be something else. You know, you've hit so much on, on so much of what we talk about that sometimes people are just where they are because it's, it's where they landed Mm -hmm. and they figured it out, which is great. Um, but it's not where they belong. And we we talk about that feeling like that, that tug and uh, to do something else when you know, there's, even if you don't know what it is, you know, there's something else, but sometimes you got to kick, got to get kicked out of that place that you've landed because you've made it comfortable, which is a great thing, unless it gets you stuck. A hundred percent. And that's exactly where I was at. I had a good paycheck. It, It was easy. You know, I knew like Mm. I could do that job with my eyes closed. Um, But yeah, it it was a blessing um, because it finally made me realize that there's something else out there. I don't know what it is, um, 
but I, I made a commitment to myself that day that I would quit that job in six months. And I did. Wow. Good for you. And look where you're at now. Well, well, wait, so, so look where you're at now, but then did you just like within six months you quit and then all the doors open and the music plays and there goes Kate. I've had a that lot of the Hallmark channel on and as I'm unpacking my new house. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it would go in a movie for sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I committed to that. I stuck to my commitment. I did quit that job in six months and that happened to coincide with, I moved from San Diego to Maine because I had met this guy, John Lee Dumas. And he, uh, we met in San Diego, but he was moving back home to Maine to start his, you know, career and kind of be like, you know, a, a grown up and, um, <laughs> be with his family. His sister had just had her first baby. Um, and so I quit, I moved to Maine, cross country to Maine to live with John. And, uh, I tried to start my own business. I was like entrepreneurship. That's like, I get to make my own rules. I get to get, do my job title. Like if I work hard enough, I determine how much money I make mm -hmm. and, and all of that. Um, so I tried to start my own business and within six months I got a job again. I was back in corporate after six months because I could not land a client to save my life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. You didn't just start being an entrepreneur and then you had yeah. instant success, like all of the, the Facebook posts that say, yeah, right. Look, yeah. I did. I did not have a six figure launch. <laughs> and you know what? That I think is one of the things that we really try to sort of drive home to people. Like when you figure out that maybe you're supposed to be somewhere else, as Kristen said, it's not a Hallmark Channel movie. You don't suddenly get there, wherever there might happen to be. It's it's constantly a progression of sort of sort of fits and starts. You know, like you still the whole one step forward, two steps back kind of thing. So that sort of fits in with the whole rise part that we talk about. But there are pieces to every step of this process. And you might be fortunate enough to work the pieces one time, but usually you work this piece and then you go back to that piece. So a lot of it, we talk about it being about perspective, um, you know, building your tribe and, and figuring out what kind of skills and talents you might have that end up ultimately being transferable. So how did that kind of fit in to where you found yourself landing in this place? Well, okay. So when, when I tried to start my own business, what I did not, what I was completely naive to was everything having to do with entrepreneurship. I didn't even really know what entrepreneurship was. I just thought that, you know, oh, so many people do this. And, and I know I love writing. Um, I, I know a little bit about online presence and that kind of stuff. I did kind of squeeze in an advertising and marketing job in between all those banking jobs that I talked about. Um, so I knew like a little bit about that world. And so I thought, okay, well, as long as I can just show people that I know how to write really well, and I do mm. SEO and online marketing and help people with their websites, then I'll get tons of clients who doesn't want help with that. They're just going to flock to me. <laughs> yeah. And then I found myself in a cafe. I, I was, I know that I said this before, but I was a really great employee. Like you tell me to do something and you have no idea to do it, or you don't even think it's possible. I'm like, 
I will make that happen. I will figure it out. I'll do it. Mm -hmm. But when you are the one creating the things that you're supposed to do, it becomes a lot harder, especially when you have no clue what those things are. So I found myself in a cafe being like, okay, I know that I need clients so I can do these things for them. But like what happens between now and when I have the clients and I'm doing the work and that's what I had no clue about. And so, you know, I started going to um, entrepreneurship uh, meetups and mixers and trying to meet other people. I was learning online from people that I'd never heard of before in a, a space that I knew nothing about. And, um, and it was hard. It was really hard because it, it was kind of like the, you know, cobbler in the shoes. Like I knew what I did really well and that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't know all the other stuff like marketing and selling yourself and being able to clearly, I love you even more right now because (laughs) we're in the same, we were in the same spot and you know, you shine in this one place. It's like when you write a book, you go, yay, I wrote this book. And then okay, well, who's going to read it? Like, then you Mm -hmm. have to have that other part. So there are multiple pieces to all of this, but you're saying the right things in terms of how you went out and you looked for that knowledge. So how how did that progress for you? Uh, I learned a ton. Obviously I have so many lessons from that six month stint because it was really kind of like my, let me dive headfirst into entrepreneurship, knowing nothing about it, which was great because it forced me to be very young. I went to my first mixer uh, and I'd never been to something like that before. And I literally, I remember hanging my coat at the door and beelining it to the restroom. And I (laughs) sat in the restroom for probably like 15 minutes being like, I have no idea what to do when I go out there. Like, I feel awkward. I don't know what to say about what I'm trying to do, but I'm not really doing it. Like, (laughs) and it was a whole bunch of like stumbling and awkwardness until I kept doing that over and over and over again. So I learned a ton. I was able to kind of get out of my shell, if you will, um, start meeting, have made some great connections. I, I met a woman who I'm still great friends with today, who ended up being my very first business coach. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was amazing in terms of the lessons that I learned, but then of course I got to a point where I'm like, I just blew through my savings moving here and trying to do this for six months and I'm not making any money. So, uh, I actually found my second dream job. I told you my first dream job was, uh, to be an English college professor that didn't work out long ago at this point in time. Um, I wanted to get back into advertising and marketing because I thought, at least if I can build my skill set in that area, I know if and when the time comes for me. Well, actually, it was when the time comes. It wasn't if anymore because I had already tasted entrepreneurship and I knew that that's what I wanted. So I thought, why don't instead of going back to banking, not going to do that again, why don't I try to get into advertising and marketing so that I can at least learn a ton of stuff while I'm making money to be able to quit my job and get back into entrepreneurship again. So that's what I did. I found an incredible position at a very small advertising and marketing agency. Um, I was one of the uh, account executives for our largest um, ad spending client at the agency and just learned a ton. I had an incredible manager and mentor who taught me so much about Um, creative. And of course I was like practicing my project management skills. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't even know was possible because when you're the in between, between creative ads, accounts, 
um, your client marketing budgets. Like, I mean, I had my hands in all of it and had to make sure that all of it was working really, really well. <laughs> so it was uh, like a learning experience that I could not, uh, like I should have been paying for it. <laughs> well, I think that this is an important, a really important thing that I, I'm trying to, I'm sitting here trying to remember if any one of our guests have actually honed in on this piece that you took a sidestep knowing you still had that dream that you had to take a sidestep to be able to fund yourself and your existence to, and, and did like a parallel thing for a while. And, and we haven't really honed in on that or talked about that or unpacked that on this show, because it's kind of been like people hit their reset rise, they take off their brilliance kicks in and, and look at you go and, and you did it simultaneously. And I think that's important for people to realize that sometimes your dream can stay there. You just have to do some other things to keep it chugging along. And especially those of our listeners and viewers that have families that are, you know, like college tuitions and you can't just pick up and say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and it's going to, and it's going to work out on a wing and a prayer or people that are doing it as a single that don't have a second income to, to, you know, fill in the gaps while they're making that dream come true. So this, I appreciate that. I didn't realize this was part of your story that I think is going to be very helpful to people that are listening. Yeah. And you know what it did also is it opened up a door for me to start, uh, start recognizing and appreciating everything that I had learned in all of my past jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, I was holding on to like so much resentment over what had happened at, at my last like job and losing that promotion and all of that. And being able to recognize exactly what you just said, Kristen was like, it was such a weight off my shoulders because mm -hmm. suddenly I felt like no, I did learn a ton and, and I did build my skills and I can take so much of that with me. Mm -hmm. And that has served me today where I am now, like in, you know, spades, it's incredible to be able to start looking at that stuff from a positive light versus being resentful about it. Wow. Yeah, I, I think that's, as Kristen said, it's a hugely important lesson because you know, by the time people see the people who are widely, wildly successful, we see the success. We don't see what went into that. And it is never a straight shot. It's never a straight shot. But that idea of having to take that sidestep, as, as Kristen so eloquently put it, that becomes the opportunity to build those transferable skills that you then get to take with you. We don't see those things in the moment. It's only when we step back a little bit and get that perspective that, yeah, you know what, maybe this, I, I don't want to go out into woo-woo land here, but maybe this happened for a reason. You know, and when, mm. you, when you pull back and look at the bigger tapestry, you can see how those threads kind of are weaving their way into the picture that you now have. So, mm. How long did you stay in that one position? And what was the catalyst that moved you into your, into your current little engine that could roll? I just love <laughs> so I was at that job for a year. Um, and again, learned so much incredible stuff. So I started that job like March of um, 2011. Nope. 
March, 2012. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm setting us up time-wise for my next move. Um, so John, John Lee Dumas and I are, you know, dating, we're living together in Maine. He's working in commercial real estate. I'm working at this advertising and marketing job. It's early 2012. And, um, like three months after I started that job, four months, like June, July ish timeframe of 2012, Matt, I'm at my job and I get this email from John. I'm like, that's kind of weird. I'm going to see you in a couple hours at home. Like why are you sending me an email? And it was a long email too. I'm like, oh wow. Okay. Going to dive into this. And like, I'm kind of skimming through the email and I start seeing these words like podcast and, um, quit my job and idea. And I'm like, Oh wow. What, like, what is going on here? And so basically he ended the email on like, let's talk about this tonight when you get home. And so, um, we had a great dinner that night and a great conversation around the fact that he wanted to quit his job to start a podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. And I'm like, I really don't understand what that is. I was not listening to podcasts at the time. Mm -hmm. um, maybe like, I think the moth was, was the only podcast that I was listening to at the time. <laughs> so I didn't really kind of like understand the progression of an individual starting a podcast. Like I knew companies had podcasts and um, I thought, great, you seem really passionate about this. Something that I loved about John from the minute that I met him and through getting to know him was his drive and his passion and his ability to like say that he was going to do something and you better believe he was going to do it. So mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm behind you hundred percent. This is actually great. I have this job. So I've got money coming in. You quit your job and do this podcast thing. I can't wait to see what happens. So, um, within a few months he, uh, had quit his job. He started this podcast and that was September, 2012, when he launched Entrepreneurs on Fire. And like maybe around December, January, he had really picked up some momentum, um, had traction, was getting people reaching out to him and asking him to coach them on how to start a podcast. Um, he, he was kind of doing a couple like individual sponsorship deals here and there. He's like, I really think that I've got something here. Like, I think that we can make this into something bigger, but I need help. And right about that time, that my job had kind of started wearing on me a bit. I mean, like I was in the office until like 3 a.m. on a regular basis, like oh deadlines gosh. and stuff were crazy. Yeah, oh. it was just like, I mean, it was exciting. Like some of that stuff's exciting about the marketing and, and advertising world, um, but it was becoming like way too rare regular. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, we have this once a year, huge launch. It was like every project became like this really super tight timeline and ridiculous expectations. And I was just tired. Um, so as John's thinking, like, I need help to like, take this to the next level. You know, I want to create a mastermind and I I'm thinking about like these ideas for things that I can create, but I need help. And what do you think about quitting your job and helping me like you be a part of the team? And I was like, Ooh, our relationship was still pretty new. Right. And I'm like, I, I, I think I was probably like negatively holding on to the fact that I couldn't make my last thing work. So like, what if I kind of mess this up? Um, and I had a lot of thoughts going through my head about that. Um, so I initially said, I, I don't really think it's a good idea. Like it kind of worries me a little bit, like what all that would entail. So, um, John was very persistent. <laughs> he did I'm not stunned. give up. Really? I'm <laughs> stunned. <laughs> Talking. 
<laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and so we had several conversations about it over the next two to three months and in April. So one year after I had started that job, I quit. And that's when I joined the Entrepreneurs on Fire team. Wow. Wow. And again, this is where all of those skills that you had built up over time. I mean, you're, I'm sure you're, you're innate writer's brain and everything else that you picked up along the way in the back end of stuff, which let's be serious, is not a writer's genius. That's not what we do. Generally, we, we write, we come up with all the ideas and all, but there is a part of writing that entails putting things together to make sense and that can end up being a transferable skill that you, with all of the other experiences that you had, then were able to bring to this new venture. So what did your role then in that end up being? Well, it started out um, at a point where I'm like, what I learned from the first go that I had was that I didn't know my audience and I didn't have any kind of niche whatsoever. And so therefore I did not know what to offer them. And so my first, uh, like several weeks month was like, I just want to get to know our audience. I want to know who they are. I want to know what their struggles are. I want to know why they listen to this podcast. Um, and so, I kind of dove into our emails and writing up that communication and kind of being the one in charge of like the backend content of, of what we were already doing, like emails to our list, building our email list. And I signed up to get notified every single time someone opted into our email list. And every single time someone opted into our email list, I would write them an email that would say, hey, I'm Kate. Thank you so much for signing up to our email list. I'm so excited to be a part of the team and to get to know Fire Nation. Like if you have a couple minutes, if you could hit reply, just let me know what you're up to, what's your biggest goal right now and what's your biggest struggle. And I learned so much. I learned so much about entrepreneurship uh, because people in our audience were kind of like, you know, I resonated with so much of what they were saying. I had just been through a lot of that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I learned so quickly why people were coming to us, like why they tuned into the podcast and why they love John and why they love the content. So um, after that, it, I started our blog because it was, I love writing. And I thought like, this has kind of been something I've dream been dreaming about for a long time. Like the fact that I get to join the team and do this, like that was incredible. I started doing that. And then John's first idea for an offering that we would give was to create a mastermind. So we would lead a mastermind for our audience, bring people together in a Facebook group and have a membership site where we would provide resources and tools and such. And it was really just a platform to bring people together because one of the biggest struggles that we kept hearing over and over again was that people felt alone. They felt like they were on this journey all by themselves. They didn't have support from their significant other, from their family, from their friends. And so they felt just completely stuck on a path that they really wanted to be on, but that they had no encouragement whatsoever or leadership or anything like that. So um, we started that mastermind and I led, uh, I kind of, I ran all the logistics of that. Like, okay, people need to pay, invest to be a part of the mastermind. We need to make sure that their payments are coming through. We need to make sure that we're showing up on a, you know, whatever basis, got to have content for them. And so 
I kind of stepped into a little bit of like a community role at that point, in addition to making sure all the back end of that was set up and just kind of kept growing from there. I mean, it was very clear to both John and I, when I, part of me accepting and, and deciding to join the team was after him and I both very clearly realized that we had opposite skill sets. What I did not want was for us to argue over like who was doing what, and I didn't want to be his assistant or like the person that he just shoveled or like, I'm not managing your calendar. I'm not scheduling stuff for you. Like that's, I don't want to do that. And he didn't want that for me either. Um, but it was very obvious that we were going to be able to find our own lanes and stay in those lanes and both be awesome in our own lane. And so we, he kept coming up with ideas. I kept coming up with ways to make them happen. And here we are. <laughs> so here's, here's what I'm hearing. And I've knowing both of you now, cause you know, we're like best friends now that we've been talking. To <laughs> <laughs> and I've known John for a couple of years, you guys, you have opposite skill sets, which makes this work, but you have the same values. You have this and you have the same commitment to serving the people that come to you that is unique. I mean, a lot of the people we talk to are very committed to their audience and the people that they serve, but you guys together have, you must, you must if I guess if you did our, our values thing or any, any values quiz, you'd probably come up with the same ones and it's very evident. And I have to tell you also, I have to thank you because both of you having that commitment to those values and the people that you serve and everything you just talked about with wanting to know what it is that fire nation needs to know i'm i've been a card carrying member of fire nation since i started a nonprofit that i had no idea or business starting and it was a conversation with john and listening to all the stuff that, and reading all the stuff that you guys together put out that took me from zero to literally influencing the world in in the realm that I was in with vision research and has continued to grow. And John had said to me a couple of years ago, don't ever stop talking to that mom that you want to serve. You talk to her. Don't have somebody else talk to her and tell you what she needs. You talk to her, which is exactly what you guys were doing. And that was the exact formula that I needed to take off. And I, so I am grateful and appreciate the fact that you really, you really are invested and really have that as a high value to serve the people that you serve well. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, we talk about values being one of the things that you have to get clear on when you figure out where you are going to go. And that often starts as that feeling like you, you expressed that you had several times during your career up to that point that, that okay, I'm really good at this, but it, it's, just not, it's just not jiving with something. And very often when you look at your value system and where you think you want to be. And that often has an element of service attached to it. If you pay attention to that, it can lead you to that next step. And it sounds like you did that perhaps at least at the beginning, unknowingly, but now with purpose. Hmm. Yeah, it's so excellent. I guess, right. It comes down to the actual application of what it is that you're doing. You know, I can do the same exact thing in the banking world and the advertising and marketing world and in entrepreneurship, but because I'm passionate about helping these people, like that's, you know, where it's going to 
come out as like this brilliance and, and yes. something that I love and something that lights me up and something that helps people. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's where, that's the key because that's where it turns into brilliance because those transferable skills, you can, the point is they're transferable. So you can either use them in places that don't light you up, or you can find the place where those the use of those skills speaks to your values, speaks to who you are at your core. And those very same things that you might've done at the bank that you did because it was your job, those very same skills light you up now. And that's kind of what we want to guide people to. Like, don't, don't ignore the fact that you have a job in banking or whatever and just and, and sideline it because you don't like it. Look at what you've got in there that if you attach it to something that means something to you, that can be where your brilliance comes out. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, I have a burning question now. Ooh. Started in San Diego. It's going to be goofy. I'm then, just then you, that then out you there. went and met up with, with John and Maine, and now you guys are in Puerto Rico. Okay, three very <laughs> different places. What's your favorite? What's your favorite spot? Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. That's a toughie. <gasps> Oh gosh. I mean, San Diego is my home. It's where my family is. So that, I mean, that part of me is like always going to be in San Diego. Um, San Diego is a great me town. It, I mean, I'm a oh, Philly girl so and San Diego is awesome. a It is, but you know, Maine's an incredible state too. I, that showed me a world that I didn't even know existed. When I moved to Maine, I'd never been to the East coast before. <laughs> and you go wow. all the way up to Maine, like, like just, I know. <laughs> and then when we were there, I, I, one weekend, John was like, let's drive down to Boston. Like you've never been to Boston before. Let's go check it out. And I was like, drive to Boston. No way. It's so far. He's like, no, it's an hour <laughs> south of us, <laughs> which I was like, mind blown because in California, yep. any state is like, especially if you're going up, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my um, gosh. And, and Puerto Rico has like uncovered this whole paradise that it's, you know, really the community here is incredible. And the people on this island are just like, I never knew a culture that is just like so welcoming and loving and inviting and that's just cool. happy. <laughs> Yeah. And you have no so, snow there. So that's a good thing. <laughs> no snow. And it's always, it's always hot. <laughs> that's hence, awesome. the, hence the sleeveless. I was looking yes. at my closet today because I know where you're from and I'm thinking, oh, she's probably going to be in something sleeveless. I'm like, it's too cold. I can't do that yet. It's too cold. <laughs> I have my jacket on, you know. But, okay. So now you guys, the thing that I love about both of you is that there's always a next, there's always a next thing because you are as, as Kristen noted, you serve this community and there are always new ways to do it. So now we have this, so we have this book, so that's a new thing. And what do you, what do you see? I mean, clearly this is, this is huge because it lays things out and I, I will bet, I'm just going to put this out there that you had more of a hand in this than we know. (laughs) (laughs) The writer. 
There was definitely a point in the period of creating and launching that where it was kind of like yesterday, I didn't know a ton about this. And today I'm in charge. So (laughs) I need to like really get up to speed here. (laughs) But you've done so many times before. And that's the other part of this whole thing that, you know, we, we, we tell people at some point you have to trust yourself. At some mm-hmm. point you have to, you have to recognize, okay, I've been in something similar before, not the same thing, but I've got this, I've got these transferable skills. So now where do you see yourself going with this? And, and I mean, clearly it's just, it's continuing to build. And I have to say, you guys have, um, which I didn't even know about this podcast paradise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Podcast so is that a relatively paradise. new venture? Why did I not see this before? I don't know why since 2013. Oh my gosh. So that's another branch where you help people to launch podcasts. Yep. Yep. Podcasters paradise is three sections, create, grow, and monetize. So we teach people how to create, grow, and monetize their podcasts. Yeah. I've actually sent my, my oldest son has a podcast now and I sent him podcasters paradise resources to start. That's why would he listen to his mother that has, <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, why don't you check out JLD? He's like, thanks, that's awesome. And then he ended up in two months. He started the podcast last summer in COVID, and two months later goes back to campus and gets a radio show because of how popular it became on campus. I'm like, that is so cool. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm like, Michael's on fire with entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah, that's a okay. good for him. Put you on the spot just a little bit here and say, if you could give people just a couple of, of little, you know, sort of guiding tips to start their own brilliantly resilient journey, given your, your multitude of experiences that you've had, can you sum those up in just a couple of uh, a couple of pointers, maybe? Yeah. Okay. So the first one would be, and I'm speaking from personal experience, get out of your own way. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we can talk ourselves out of anything very easily, and that is what I see happen with so many people. They know what they want to do. They know they have a message to share. They know, um, you know, they have this vision for the future and everything that they're doing in this moment is trying, well, maybe not them innately, but their voice in their head is telling them all the reasons why they shouldn't do that, why it won't work, why it's a bad idea. You have to start working on the mindset piece of not letting the imposter syndrome, that voice that keeps telling you all the negative things about what you're trying to do. You have to start working on quieting that or else it will derail you at every single step. And I'm along with that. I mean, my next thing is just take action, take imperfect action, just do the thing. Because even if, even if you you don't know what the end looks like. Even if you like what I was saying earlier about when I I was right here and I knew that I wanted to work with clients over here, like what is all of this? 
I was never going to find that out here. I had to get here and then here and then here and then here. And the only way that I get to those places is by taking action. So you take action. You might, you're not, you don't, you might not know what you're going to find out. You might not know what next step it's going to reveal, but the purpose of taking action is because it will start to reveal those answers for you. You're not going to get those answers if you just stand still. So get out of your own way and start taking action, even if That's it's brilliant. imperfect. That's brilliant. And, and that it's so funny that whenever we speak to people, we find all of these connections that resonate with what we talk about with Brilliantly Resilient. And two of the things that both of those things that you just said, we talk about, you have to, in that rise area where you're starting to move, you have to take action, just one action step that moves you a little closer. And as you said, then gives you that information. And the second thing that resonated with me was that the whole idea of the action not being perfect, because we also say you can't be married to an outcome. You mm -hmm. have to, you have to allow the situation to evolve so you can learn and then you take that and you, and you move on. So perfect, perfect pieces to sort of close up our show and our time with you, which has been so delightful. Don't tell John, but you're Maybe <laughs> you just don't like it. I won't tell him. Oh, don't tell him. So Kate, please tell everybody where they can find you and JLD and get some more of your brilliance. Yes. Everything we do is over at eofire.com and my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. I'm Kate L. Erickson. This has been beyond a joy. We have had so much fun with you today and you've shared so much with us. So we are so grateful. Please everybody go and check Kate Erickson out and JLD on EO Fire. I always turn it over to Kristen because I usually forget to say something. So she's going to close it out. What do, what do they have to know that I forgot? And everybody, while you're checking out Kate on Instagram, make sure you follow Brilliantly Resilient on Instagram as well. We just got on. We were, we drug Mary Fran into Instagram because she just didn't want to be on the tweeter anymore. <laughs> just refused to be on the tweeter. So we're on the like IG the <laughs> as well as our Facebook community. Check out both of them and the brand new website at brilliantlyresilient.net. We have a special freebie for you right there on the homepage. You don't even have to dig for it. So check it out at brilliantlyresilient.net and we will see you all next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.